Hello and welcome to Red Shirts, a Star Trek podcast with me, your host, Jake Donaldson. As ever, I'm joined by my erstwhile co-hosts, Maddie, horny lizard Janeway Churchhouse, and Nathan, undercover lizards rule the world, Thomas. <laughs> Without further ado, let's engage. Until recently, in my D and D setting, I uh, had the entire monarchy of the of the biggest nation be uh, snake people, just so that lizard people did actually rule the world. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> what what I want to do, Nathan, is over the course of the next sort of say hundred episodes of this podcast, I just want to slowly, just through the intros, create a subconscious amongst the listeners idea that you are some sort of awful conspiracy theorist. Like it started with when I called you QAnon at the start of the episode a few weeks ago. Yes. Have I told you about when a flat earther demanded to be on my previous podcast? (gasps) What? No. Tell everything. I'm obsessed with flat earth. Okay, start with this, please. Yeah, yeah. Screw relics for a minute. Let's go down the uh, Nathan Banks podcast because because podcasting is a medium I really enjoy. That's why I currently do two of them, and I did one before this one. The one I did before this one was called Non Sequitur, and how it worked was um, we would get a topic list periodically from the internet. We'd get three topics. Um, there could be any questions, and then we would discuss them. Me, my co-host, and a guest. It was quite a good like student radio style format. Um, and we, we kept it going privately for a bit longer after that as well. Um, anyway, the topic we got wasn't about Flat Earth, and like the, the whole thing was just about like using these topics as a bouncing off point to talk about whatever bullshit we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like a podcast. At, yeah, like <laughs> a podcast, but without a set thing. And I can't remember what the topic was or what it was saying. All I can remember saying is, is that Something along the lines of it's like, um, it's like um, people it's... believing in things with no basis, and then I, I like listed a bunch of things, and I said flat Earth as one of them. So like I, I listed, but it wasn't even the list wasn't even derogatory because I, I I listed lots of things people have had blind faith in because i think now i now i remember it i think because one of the the guests was a history student so he was talking about like how you can't criticize medieval people's like medieval medicine because basically everything was done on blind trust then because they had no science to to really work with anyway that offhand reference we did not discuss no one like pulled me on flat earth we didn't even do jokes about it like it was literally i said flat earth in a list the podcast Facebook then got a message from the leader of a, or like the press secretary or something like that of the biggest American flat earth group in one of the states. <laughs> um, and he said, I demand to be on your podcast. I want to set the record straight and stuff. And I was like, um, well, I don't think you, I don't think we, we really discussed. You're like, you could set the record curved if you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, 
obviously I don't agree with him or believe in in his his nonsense, but like because it <laughs> was a unique... I agree with him, but don't believe in him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but like <laughs> I'd love yeah. to like I'd love to just. But like this was the thing, and we, me and my co-host, they joked about this, like. We didn't choose the topics for the podcast. So, like, if he did come on as a guest, which is what he wanted to do, we'd have no way of making it about Flat Earth. Like, <laughs> like and stay true to our format. Like, you know. If, if that it'd be like on, a guest... I was going to say, if, this happened, if that happened on this podcast, I would get someone on and then just not talk to them about Star Trek for the entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it was just... It was really weird and he was really demanding and we were like, I don't think you... Yeah, yeah, like... yeah, Nathan. You just didn't want to debate him because you knew that you couldn't win. <laughs> you just knew that when well... he told you, when he showed you that his that his spirit level didn't didn't go flat when he was flying in an aeroplane, <laughs> that then you wouldn't have an answer to that, would you? Yeah. Huh, huh. How are you going to explain that, Nathan? How are you going to explain that, Nathan? I love Quite that. simply, you are an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I love that argument when people say, oh, well, I'm in an aeroplane and my spirit level doesn't go flat. And it's like, you know, there are angles inside planes. Like, <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> oh, God. It's just like, yeah. yeah the uh, but I've got me. a segue. I've got a segue. Speaking of flatter, the episode we're talking about this week features a very prominent speaker. Yeah! <laughs> you fucking globe head. <laughs> and that sphere is James Doohan. Um, <laughs> I love him, Scotty. Scotty. Look, before we get too far into it, listeners, this week we are looking at the episode "Relics" from Star Trek: The Next Generation, um, which is the exciting return of Scotty from the original series. Uh, but um, this is the start of a couple of episodes that we're going to do where we look at crossovers from uh, from different series of Star Trek into the other. So uh, before we get too far into uh, discussing it, Nathan, do you want to go through the plot in your patented way? Absolutely. Okay. So uh, the Enterprise has located a signal from USS Genolan. Uh, they go... I'm going to start that again. Uh, the <laughs> the Enterprise has located a signal from USS Genolan. Uh, they go to rescue it and find a massive sphere in space. is apparently a Dyson sphere, a concept which Picard explains is not is an ideal way of colonizing space and not a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've written down the the first note I've got on my thing is Dyson sphere, which. <laughs> is a very interesting scientific topic and also provides three times the suction power of the next best-selling <laughs> I, I sometimes wonder if they had to call that vacuum the Dyson Ball just to get a, to avoid <laughs> copyright issues. Like, I've genuinely considered that while writing this joke. Like, my version of that joke. <laughs> anyway, uh, Worf has located the ship on the sphere and the Enterprise orbits the sphere where the ship appears to have minimal life support and power fluctuations. Eh, Riker takes an away team. On board the Genolan, Geordi notes that the transporter is online but locked into a diagnostic loop. There's a pattern in there, completely intact. It seems someone survived inside a transporter for 75 years. That someone is Montgomery Scott. Uh, Scott wants to try and save the other crew member. Geordi and Scotty work hard, but Franklin is lost. Riker introduces himself as from the Enterprise and Scotty thinks it's his Enterprise. Uh, When Worf arrives, Scotty realises he might have been missing a little while. Uh, when Scotty beams aboard, he has no time for sick bay for his injuries and instead starts to ask about the transporter and engineering and everything. Uh, Scotty explains what hammers and admires the 
um, Dyson Sphere, as well as the whole new Enterprise he's on. In Sigbay, though, Scotty claims uh, Crusher is prettier than McCoy, and, I mean... <laughs> You know, jury's out. Depends which version of McCoy. Um, uh, Picard appears and is uh, told to call him Scotty, who admits he was just a passenger on his way to retirement. Scotty is happy to talk about his career, but even happier to go to engineering. But he might be a little bit too fragile for that right now. So, a young ensign shows Scotty standard guest quarters. Scotty is amazed at the size of the quarters, and Scotty tries to reminisce, but uh, struggles to capture the young boy's attention, so he's left isolated and alone in his quarters. Before long, Scotty has made his way to engineering and insists on being called Scotty. He wants to help LaForge and be useful. He's been an engineer for, 50 to, for 52 years. Eh, LaForge admits he's right. He might be helpful. Data and Picard look at the surveys and plan a set of probes to test the sphere. Back in engineering, though, Scotty is uh, worried about warp containment. Uh, but this new technology works differently. It's meant to operate like that. Okay. Um, Scotty then reminisces a bit, and then looks at the dilithium chamber. The crystals are gonna... No. No. Look, LaForge wants to explain all of this, uh, but the captain wants the analysis by 1300 hours. Scotty is incredulous to learn that LaForge gives realistic engineering estimates for his repair times. <laughs> LaForge has a job to do, and Scotty is angry to be sidelined and storms out. Scotty goes to 10 forward and orders a scotch. Turns out it's Synthol. Data explains what Synthol is. Scotty explains... Uh, works out Data is an android. Synthetic, AO, and synthetic commanders. Uh, Data does know there are some alcoholics available, and begins to serve... Um, well, it is green. <laughs> um, a, a, a little uh, later, an obviously drunk Scotty wanders to the holodeck. He wants to see the bridge of the Enterprise. That would be Enterprise NCC1701, with no bloody A, B, C, or D. Scotty's request is upheld and he's clearly emotional as he walks onto the bridge and toasts his old crewmates. Picard appears on the holodeck and drinks with Scotty. Turns out he gave the green drink to Guinan. Picard and Scotty reminisce about their past and how they get emotionally attached to their first. Enterprise as the first vessel as chief engineer for Scotty and Captain Picard for Stargazer. They toast the old ships that are measurably worse than everything that came after. Scotty admits his feelings of being in the way and well, while Picard offers him some catch-up classes, he isn't a cadet. He's not a young man, and he can't just start over. Um, Scotty decides to act his age and shuts off the holodeck, annoyed with himself. Picard calls LaForge to the ready room and suggests that LaForge and Scotty work together on the Jeholan to recover its computer core. Picard explains to LaForge that he wouldn't order him to, but the two of them might just help Scotty feel useful again. Data, meanwhile, has found some kind of communication device on the Dyson Sphere. Riker orders the Enterprise into position and to hail the communication port. A hungover Scotty reports to the transporter room and him and the Forge leave, just as uh, on the bridge they appear to have found the front door. And as soon as they knock with a hail, the Enterprise is pulled inside by tractor beams towards the sun. The tractor beams have overloaded the engines and uh, the Enterprise is a little disorientated, but with the engines offline, the Enterprise is falling towards the star with the momentum and gravity still imparted. Uh, on the Genolan, Scotty and LaForge work, but struggle. The equipment is for a different era. Obsolete, Scotty claims. LaForge counters that, eh, most of these systems haven't changed much, and the transporter is basically the same. Sensors and subspace work on the same principles. LaForge uh, uh, observes that something old isn't thrown away, and that gives Scotty an idea. Unfortunately, they can't contact the Enterprise, despite their um, ingenuity, 
um, and realise it is gone. Inside the sphere, Enterprise attempts to use the thruster to turn into an orbit, which seems to work, but they're going to need main power to escape, and Data begins the search for living beings. As Scotty and LaForge discuss the idea that if they could get the drive working, they could follow the Iron Trail and find the Enterprise. But Scotty seems says that will take a week. But given they don't have that time, best to get on with it, lad. Uh, on the Enterprise, Data notes that there are no life forms, and they were brought in automatically. Worse, there are solar flares, and the shields will struggle to protect the Enterprise within the next three hours. On the Janolan, Scotty and LaForge work. LaForge isn't sure the ship can take the pressure Scotty wants to subject it to. Nah, Scotty wrote the regulations in question and is confident it will work. Uh, the engines come back online and everything is working. Scotty offers the bridge to LaForge. He is captain by rank, but he's always wanted to just be an engineer. The Enterprise is struggling to hold. The phasers won't be able to make a hole in the sphere. Picard needs a way out and the interior surface will take seven hours to scan. Data will in endeavour to speed up the process. Scotty has found uh, the hatch and they conclude the Enterprise didn't go in willingly. LaForge worked out what happened, but how are they going to open the hatch and not get pulled in? Scotty suggests they open the hatch, retreat, and then use the ship to jam it open. Scotty tells him, as an engineer, he can do this. The plan is attempted, the Janolan is able to wedge the hatch using its shields. LaForge hails the Enterprise and the Enterprise begins its movement forwards. The Janolan's engines are overheating and they can't move out the way. Therefore, the Enterprise will need to destroy the vessel. Picard orders the transporter, waits for a short delay, and then fires torpedoes, destroying the Janolan and causing the hatch to close. The helmsman flies the Enterprise sideways to escape. Scotty and LaForge are safe. Eh, that wasn't that bad, was it? Scotty and LaForge reminisce and exchange a few stories. LaForge takes Scotty to the shuttle bay, where the senior staff are assembled, to give Scotty said shuttlegraph. It could get him to the colony, if uh, that's what he wants. Yeah, that colony's for old men to retire. Scotty's not ready for that yet. He passes the torch to LaForge, sincerely wishing him well, as uh, the Enterprise is only as good as its uh, engineer taking care of it. And uh, this Enterprise is in damn fine hands. He climbs aboard the shuttle and the episode ends. I love this episode. It's so lovely. It's so heartwarming. It, it was like bittersweet. I... I had to pause it halfway through because I was getting too emotional. And old oh. man Scotty, old oh. granddad Scotty was making me cry too much. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot. I have, so, we have a lot. I have a lot of positive feelings about this because when I was young, um, me and my mum couldn't get all the, like, TNG DVDs and we didn't have, like, like there wasn't, we didn't have access to Netflix and stuff. So this is one of the DVDs that we got early. So this was one of because the, they 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 had like four episode DVDs, yeah. and this was like the headline, like this is the best episode on this disc yeah. kind of thing. Um, so I can I I watch this episode semi regularly because it was the episode of TNG I had available to <laughs> me. <laughs> I um, I started to well up a bit, and I don't normally well up when I watch uh, Star Trek. Like it doesn't normally get. I don't get mm. emotionally invested enough across forty five minutes to be able to to get emotional about it. But I did a little bit when uh, the, the scene when Scotty goes onto the holodeck and is yep. sat on his old uh, uh, mm. bridge got a little bit emotional for me. Yeah, I don't really well, I've got know some why. trivia about about that. Um, in the at least the take of him wandering around, they did not show James Doohan the recreation until they were filming it live, so that his reaction was was natural. Aww. So that is James Doohan oh, seeing 
his set. I'm uh, going to cry lot of, like, again fun... just from you saying <laughs> that. There's a lot of fun, like, production facts uh, and, and little in-jokes that I thought I'd, I'd rattle off very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, go on. Um, so, you know when Scotty says, Laddie, even an admiral wouldn't have this much yeah. space. Um, that is slightly an in-joke because the junior officer quarters that are sometimes used for wharf and are used for... Um, and they use for the crew in the episode called Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are a redress of Kirk's quarters from the films. Oh, oh really? So it is. It is. It is accurate to say that, like you know, an admiral wouldn't have that much space because an admiral doesn't <laughs> in, in the films where where Scotty is, is because they were filming these seasons of uh, TNG concurrently with the TOS films. So there's a lot of like set dressing and sharing, and that's one of nice. them. That, like, right. Kirk's quarters are their junior officer quarters. Um, similarly, every reference LaForge or Scotty make to their past is an episode of Star Trek. All of those are oh, on screen events that you can see. So, like, what, so the, the, yeah, every... the baby uh, suckling, suckling on the. Yeah, that, that's, yeah a real that's an actual. Yeah, I can't believe you don't a giant remember that baby one, suckling that on joke. the Enterprise. What? I do not remember yes. this at all. Is this a giant? It's one of the. It's one of the episodes where Geordie proves that they can't write Geordie and women because uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, Doctor Brahms appears. But yeah, um, well, yeah, it's like a weird space luggy thing. Well, we'll be watching we'll watch that it at some point. Soon. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. But yeah, everything, uh, everything is uh, uh, like that. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, I can't remember what else well, there, there was. I, um, I noticed a little thing, um, which I found out. This is uh, courtesy of Memory Alpha. Again, thank you, Memory Alpha, for being the engine behind this uh, this podcast. Um, but the, um, the, the name of the ship that they find Scotty on, the Janolan, or whatever it's called. Um, yeah. Uh, so when this episode was written, just beforehand, the writer had been on uh, vacation to Australia and had gone out and gotten a bit drunk and kind of got a bit uh, like wild. And it led to him being referred to as a rager, um, which is sort of like an Australian slang word, apparently, from the time that meant like, uh, you know, a bit of a legend, a bit of a lad, um, like a party animal. Um and that's the reason why there's a lieutenant in this episode uh, whose name is, uh, or not a lieutenant, but like he's an ensign who's called like Ensign Rager. Um, but apparently um, Picard pronounces it wrong because uh, he, he says Rager, but it's he's specifically called Rager because of that. And the Janolan is called that because that is the name of an, of the, uh, like a, an area of Australia that, they went to the next day after the after the big party night out where he'd gotten all drunk and everything and then hung over he went to like look at this beauty spot that was called like the cave the caves of Janola or something like that and so like then when he came to write this episode a week later he was like oh I'm gonna put both of those things in just for, for fun um so that's why then that's where the name comes from and you can tell because they also refer to the Janolan as a Sydney class uh no starship. Oh no. come on. Um so yeah, that's Oh that was that was the other reference. Um the conversation it is Greek, you know, where data is like what is it? It is yeah. yeah. Um that that Scotty has that conversation with someone else in TOS he? where he's like he's being diplomatic and he's like, Have this. 
What is it? It's green. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like um, that. Um, yeah. In terms of uh, sort of fun references, then, and this can bring us on to part of the, the episode. Um, not a reference to TOS, but a reference to real life science. Um, the 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 Dyson the sphere. Dyson sphere that we have so lovingly mocked already because it does sound like the name of a vacuum cleaner um, <laughs> is. Uh, that that is a genuine thing that was posited by this uh, yeah, English American scientist called Freeman, and he wasn't that serious. Yeah. it's worth noting. Yeah, so Fre- Freeman Dyson like, came up with Dyson this. Dyson famously like a caustic, argumentative maverick who just yes. likes to be contrary on purpose. Had some really, really like an absolute genius. Somehow managed to mathematically prove the Pauli exclusion principle at like the age of twenty four. Um, but then, like, also, don't and- say, don't say sentences like that. It's not- <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'm yeah, 24 well, this I year, and I have not proved anything. Yeah, well, well like- Maddie, I'm 27, and today I made a spaghetti bolognese with tomato soup because I'd run out of yeah. tin tomatoes. So, who's really doing well with the life? Yeah, who's really on track for for greatness here? Well, to Me be fair, or Freeman Dyson. Dyson? Freeman Dyson just died like last year, so you're kind of doing better than him. To be <laughs> fair. Fuck you, Freeman Dyson. <laughs> I beat you. Yeah, he's like had some really interesting ideas. He was like he was like a lifelong Christian, so like him and Daw- him, him and Dawkins had a bit of a head to head. Um, he, oh, I like him now. If he, he, has, if, he if, was, if like he was an, anti-Richard Dawkins, then well, I'm yeah, happy. you're not gonna like what I'm saying next. Richard Dawkins is so irritating because uh, you're worse, like, isn't he? He, yeah, it's I like I agree with Dawkins, you, but you're a cunt. Get, Richard Dawkins <laughs> getting a bin. Yeah, he's just <laughs> yeah. Richard Dawkins is like everything that's wrong with sort of like yeah, new age scientific scepticism. That whole like horrible. Oh yeah. Thing. Anyway, um, so. He he was an environmentalist, but then who was like pro renewable energy, um, but then also didn't believe in man made global warming. So he had just had some like a right. <laughs> oh, what a wild! Yeah, man. he just he was totally wild, a total mad lad. Um, yeah, amazing <laughs> contributions to physics, including the awesome Dyson sphere, which is so cool. And I just like I love it. I just think it's such a great idea. And I've never seen I've never actually seen one um, visualized in like a on telly before and i've always well, imagined it in my head i've always imagined a dyson sphere it's like looking like a buckyball like a buckyball around a what a buckyball a book like a you're yeah. just um, saying you words keep saying the word we don't understand. <laughs> okay, uh... <laughs> you can't just be, you can't be like oh it's it's like a buckminster uh... fullerene a buckminster fullerene oh you know like you'd learn I about them that. in chemistry they're like yeah, no, I carbon know about. carbon like atoms all joined together like in a, a big hexagonal like in like one of them things that you know when you had like a cat and you had you'd have like a plastic <laughs> yeah, this conversation like a... is getting just further you'd and further like away from me a plastic rainbow thing that you could crunch into a little I've ball got a better... and then you'd pull Maddie, it out into Maddie, a big ball Maddie, and Maddie. the cat would go inside it <laughs> the Maddie, cat looks, is not relevant to that like story a... at all <laughs> this shows this shows how like sad reclusive nerds we are because I, I went on uh, in an effort, because once you said uh, the chemical thing, I knew what you were talking about, but I googled um, Buckyball and it came up Buckminster Fullerene and then it said, 
looks exactly like a, a soccer or or football. <laughs> and I was like, oh, any any person not as nerdy as us would have gone, no, looks like I'm football. So yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I just never oh. occurred to me that it looks like a football. That's how <laughs> shit I am at football. <laughs> That's the thing. You, do you turn the, the World Cup on every four years and you I'm go, like, oh, what's oh this? so hang on. Right, so can you explain, do you go to your boyfriend and be like, okay, uh, can so you can you just explain to me? What, 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 so when the Buckminster Fullerene is in play, <laughs> That's that's when they're allowed to kick it, yeah. So it's that little man. Is he trying to put the bucket I, into when, the net, when or the is World he trying Cup... to put it into the oven net? <laughs> I can't. I can't remember which um, World Cup it was, but um, I had this form tutor who I quite liked. Sorry, Nathan, uh, are you about to tell a story about sports? Yeah. <laughs> we're allowed to like sports in this podcast just because we're not, you know, au fait with the the football. Uh, look, look. Yeah, I, they I, don't have I to like be sports. violent. I, I spent a lot of today watching cricket. I quite like sports. I just like I watched I watched cricket today. It was depressing, yeah, but I did. Watch I also it. watched cricket today. It was depressing. England are not doing there was, well. There was a point at which my mum was like, uh, "Have you watched the cricket?" I was like, "Oh no, I forgot. Like I just lost track." Mm-hmm. So I, I went on, and at that point, we were 196 for, for like nine or something. No, yeah. I was like, yeah. "Right, ah. oh fucking hell!" <laughs> I was just like, "Well, but I don't know how we're gonna win this." If you don't know, anyway, if you don't know cricket, by the way. Listeners, um, it's a sport where you throw a small Buckminster Fullery stick. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, uh, my sports story. Obviously, I didn't like the World Cup, um, but my my form tutor argued, like he he was trying to argue that, and and this was true. He he had made an effort to learn something about each like person in his form because we had quite small forms. Um, like each person's interest and he'd had conversations with me and my like absolute antagonism to football like you know he didn't say you have to like it but he was like you know you can't be this objectionable because i was being a massively (laughs) objectionable teenager about it so in response what i what i did um because i did feel a bit bad about it is that for each day of the world cup i learned a football (laughs) so i still remember so like i know how the offside rule works i can explain what total football is Uh, (laughs) total football i oh yeah total football is great total football is how all football should be played um this is so is like, this like the multi-ball this, thing? If 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 no Nathan no no, so total football. To all of his football it's a strategy. This, sorry guys, this is now a sports podcast. Yeah, I'm now feeling yeah, like Georgie the a... Forge was feeling when Scotty was trying to explain to him how his engines <laughs> work. No, this is super. This is super quick, right? Like in football, you have positions like um, attack, midfield, and defense, and goalkeeper. Yeah. In in total football. No one has a uh, no one on your team. Carnage has a football. Everyone is trained in every position, and um, so you just like are like right. We need to go on the offense. Everyone is a, is 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 up front, and every every player then plays up front except the goalkeeper, and then every player plays in defense when you're when you're playing defensively, and the and the, the manager just shouts what positions he wants the entire team in, which... <laughs> or the captain, like, I'm not sure which. a weird cross but, between yeah. football and chess. <laughs> well, well, it's it's a strategy. It's not like a different game. So, like, so uh, one team, the first team to master this naturally won the World Cup in, like, 50-something, because, mm-hmm. like, every other team was like, 
like, oh well, our defense is now playing eleven people. But yeah, how do you mark somebody if they if you if if they yeah. just keep changing yeah. what position? But it's really play. hard to do because obviously you've got to train everyone to be as good as everyone else in every position except the goalkeeper. <laughs> anyway, that's the massive aside. I'm genuinely impressed. You thought the Dyson it's... Sphere should look like a uh, like a Buckminster Fuller? Did you? Just <laughs> just as a point though, in, if someone asked me how. At some point on your podcast about Star Trek, you're going to start talking about football. Which of the three hosts do you think is going to bring that subject up, right? And at no point oh, the in order a is definitely years would I think it would be you. Yeah. It's you, Maddie, then me, and it's not close. Yeah, and it's only Maddie because she lives with an Australian man. <laughs> he doesn't know shit about football. Like, Aussie rules football is actually yeah, quite good because I, 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 I lived with an Australian yeah. uh, I lived with an Australian lady for a while and, and she showed me Australian football and that's amazing. Yeah, really violent. Uh, very, like, yeah. It's like rugby but like more sex, even more sexy. It's, it's, just, it's, like, it's like if Klingons like, played rugby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Klingons, yeah. I mean, let's get the girl I lived with was uh, was a lesbian, and she did not understand what what I was getting extra that she wasn't <laughs> out. Of. Like, like she was purely interested in the sport, and uh, she was really like trying to balance her being like a nice, considerate housemate and wanting to scream in the manner of people watching. Sport. <laughs> but it was obviously being broadcast live in Australia, which meant it was like two a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, Maddie, you were talking about Buckminster Fullery. <laughs> I just really love Buckyballs. I think they're really cute. And I found out what that thing is called that I was talking about, the thing that cats go inside. It's called a it's called a Hoberman a Hoberman sphere. It's like an oh, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah, those yeah. expandable it, things. I know, I know Hoberman spheres. Yeah, they they're like Buckminster they're like Buckminster Fullery. Yeah, they're like Buckyballs. They're like Buckminster Fullerines if you crush anyway. So what I was trying to say is that that's how I always imagined a Dyson sphere looking. Like I imagined it, you know, like I like the girders or whatever and the yeah, yeah, like yeah. the the structure of it so i never imagined it just looking like a perfect round sphere with no windows well, well this which is, is like this it is in this is episode which is really cool to depict a dyson sphere in film that's so sick because i also never imagined a dyson sphere with like the you know people living on the interior of it like that's so cool yeah, i just but that's the that, point <laughs> yeah Yeah, but i've always just imagined people just you know like you'd have you'd have like your your you know your your industries kind of along the the structure like the framework of the dyson sphere like to extract the resources and then i always just imagine them being being like you know freighted off somewhere else i never imagined like colonies actually existing yeah i knew what you meant i was just being a friend like like nathan said this is the first time that uh a Dyson sphere. I always have to stop myself from saying Dyson ball. <laughs> this is the, um, the. By the way, if Dyson ball want to sponsor this podcast, I'm more than happy for them to because James Dyson is the richest man in the UK. But anyway, um, the. Um, the the yeah, this is the first time that a Dyson sphere has been visualised in like TV or film media. But they're not um, for the and... first time that a Henry Hoover sphere has been featured in your <laughs> <TV or> media. <laughs> but then Henry Hoover, Henry. Sorry. Can you imagine a Henry Hoover sphere? Would it just look like a giant Henry Hoover suspended in space with like I mean, his that, nose that, like waving around? 
That sounds like I, I how they. Tell... Would, that sounds like how they would make a villain for the first series of TOS. <laughs> a new new sphere. A new 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 like telly, a new new Oh, that's definitely. Oh, new new sphere. Uh, I'm gonna draw the, it. Like uh, you should look up. You should look up on Memory Alpha red shirts because it's got the the. It's got like the kit like a record list for like most red shirts killed and the thing that has killed the most red shirts is a really shit looking robot from <laughs> it's like it only counts on the screen we're in a red so like it doesn't count you know the crews of, of destroyed ships but like yeah 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 um, <laughs> Sorry. um what was i talking about uh the we were talking about this very cool dyson oh, sphere so um yeah so uh, Freeman Dyson, who came up with the Dyson Sphere in real life, watched this episode um, and he sort of commented on it and said, um, well, I never pictured the Dyson Sphere being a physical sort of uh, solid object. It was always in his head a sort of like, uh, or, or like almost like an energy field almost with like cool. structure between it. Um, and yes, how I imagine then he also cool. said... Yeah, yeah, like a Buckminster Fullerene. Um, and he then said, the science in this episode is, uh, and I quote, nonsense. Oh, but, piss off, Freeman. <laughs> but he did say that he enjoyed the episode as a uh, as a TV viewing experience. So uh, I'm going to start doing this on the podcast, by the way. Whenever we find a celebrity or famous person or anyone of note who is a fan of Star Trek, I'm going to tick them off and add them to a list of famous <laughs> Star Trek fans. So we've got... Uh, as a definite famous Star Trek fan, the notable scientist and now dead man, <laughs> Freeman. Well, there's another Dyson. notable scientist and now dead man because uh, Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking, yes, who uh, appeared. Is See? fact about Stephen Hawking? Uh, he's the only person to have ever played himself in a, an episode of Star Trek. Amazing. He, he, yeah. he, he, well, did you hear about what he what he said when? Uh, like, I don't know why he ran into. To uh, Brent Spider, but he, he ran into. When you say ran so, into him, was it? Did he just not have <laughs> the brakes? No, no, so like, with his wheelchair, like no, no, he did with so, Brian uh, Cox. He going down that a hill. Release so, special. Maddie, did he like knock him so, into so the, the the uh, the scene which Hawkins plays himself in is Data on the holodeck playing poker against Isaac Newton, Einstein, obviously both played by actors, and then Stephen Hawking playing amazing. himself. And Hawking wins in the. In the thing, and then Data's called away for a for a thing on the Enterprise. But later, after filming had finished, um, Brent Spiner and, and and Stephen Hawking met again. Stephen Hawking's first comment was, "Where is my money, Adam?" <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Can you imagine that? Like Stephen Hawking just rolls up to you, and it's like, "Where is my money, Android?" But the thing is, oh, I'll just he, get your money, sir. <laughs> he, he, he wasn't actually calling Brent Spiner an android. That's just how he signs off all of his uh, sentences. <laughs> um, Live long um, and prosper, motherfuckers. <laughs> Anyway, look, um... I've drawn a picture of the Enterprise encountering a new new sphere in space. <laughs> Please put that on the Instagram, Maddie. <laughs> uh, look, to get yeah. back to relics, um, I have an important point to make, which is that I think this is another sighting of Donaldson. <gasps> on... no. Oh, for God's sake. Right. <laughs> I've, I've gone back and checked, and there's no 
uh, the, Can we no just clarify evidence. for listeners who might not know who this incredibly important and famous lead role in, in Star Trek is, but Donaldson is, yeah. of course, the, the faceless, <laughs> nameless extra that appeared in one single episode called Donald, Donaldson. And because yes. they've got the same name as Jake is therefore very important. Yes. OK, we can continue now. Yes, so the, this character called Donaldson, who we know is an engineer, because uh, that's the only piece of information we do have about him. <laughs> uh, I think he appears in this episode again as a non-speaking, uh, non-involved extra in the background, but you see his face a bit more, and uh, he's working on a display thing in the background uh, when we're in the, the warp core room and I've gone and looked at his face and I've freeze-framed the picture and the freeze the, the one best freeze frame that you can get of Donaldson from the episode where he's named which is on the memory alpha page for him and it does look a bit like well pretty much the same as this guy so that right. so we've discovered another sighting of Donaldson yeah, I'm trying to this I'm trying to weigh up something here right. um, the the uh, it's a cost benefit of analysis of, of cutting out all of that. <laughs> oh, if you do, if you I, cut, I will you. walk from this podcast. <laughs> no, that's the problem. Like I'm like all uh, the, the, you already the, cut the, out the bit from the other episode the, where my gran rang. That <laughs> yeah, the the only person that cares about this to this extent is you. <laughs> I yeah, do not care. I do not Nathan. think Maddie cares, and I don't think the audience. No, cares. but that's why it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware that's the joke, <laughs> but you know, I feel like as a responsible editor, something that is only only a joy to one person is 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 a prime candidate for removal. <laughs> but I know that the metric for like you will start a campaign. I will have messages. I'll get emails. I'll get. You know, I'll get tech, and they'll all be from you. They'll all be just you doing different accounts. I do have. Um, I do have a history of doing that. <laughs> Yeah, just just tweet me, be like, oh, why why did you cut that bit out? So it's going to have to stay in. But I want, I just want to to uh, to to remind the future Nathan editing this that you were annoyed about it at the time as well. <laughs> I, I look forward to what for every TNG episode now you finding Donald. Look, no, again. look, I'm not going to be. This isn't like a. a... You screenshotted it and compared the two images, Jake. You're clearly quite committed to this. I know what you're Yeah, like. but only because I saw him there prominently. There's a, there's, <laughs> there's a scene where he's on screen on his own for like 0. 0.7 of Donaldson a second. everywhere now. It's, it's, this is how conspiracy theories start, Jake. You're going to be like... <laughs> Don't you know? I, I, you know, there'll be a, there'll be a board with the with the with the string. Um, Jane will leave you because she's like he's obsessed. I can't live with him anymore. <laughs> well, I'm gonna get do like it. a full body pillow with Donaldson's blurry screenshot printed on it, so he can like cuddle it in bed at night. I was genuinely thinking of getting Jake a custom T-shirt printed with Donaldson. Oh, please do! I was in Star Trek or something. I'll like wear that. it during sex. God. <laughs> I've got something. Um, would you like that? I'll leave you. I'll leave whether that's being cut out up to you, Jake. Can we talk about? Should we get back? Can we talk about poor Scotty? Relics? Poor Scotty, right? Yes. In this episode, old man Scotty, old, cute, adorable man Scotty, is catapulted seventy-five years into the future. His best friend is like dead because he gets stuck in that transporter. That's so sad. How are you supposed to adjust to that? That just breaks my heart. Imagine like coming out and everyone you love is dead and you're that far in the future and then yeah. he's 
it's so sad that scene where he's he's trying to make himself useful because he's he's just a fish out of water and he doesn't know what to do with himself and 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 he doesn't have a place on the enterprise and he's just sort of wandering around so he so he wanders down to engineering and just gets under everyone's feet and and Geordie gets really pissed off with him and I just felt awful for him I just poor yeah, I really Scotty like, I just I, I did as I really well. like really how they felt treat him, him here though like I think this is really important is that you you have sympathy for Scotty like they make Scotty important to the plot they without overshadowing yeah. Jordan, which is I think a problem with 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 legacy characters in a lot mm. of things is that the whole episode becomes entirely about them and you don't yeah. see our hero shine and that's possibly a criticism I will make of uh, <clears throat> unification, which we're going to do down the line, um, is that it it focuses on Spock an awful lot and 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 mm. I think like uh, anyway we'll we'll get to that when we do that episode. But another point I wanted to make about Scotty and how I like their approach is that there's. There's not only a, a nice balance between you know him, all the all the characters, even Jordy when he's annoyed, is only like annoyed because he's trying to do a job and he doesn't want to be mean because he's quite a nice person and he snaps yeah. like that. Because we only actually see Jordy get pissed off with Scotty once, where he just like he just basically gets like breaks his patience yeah. because prior to that he's explaining everything quite patiently. Mm. But I, I really like. Uh, there's a sort of ageist point about the depiction of like older people in in media that I quite like here, where they acknowledge that Scotty is old, that he can't just start like you know when he says, I mean it's a very sad point when he says I start time I start acting I age, but his point about you know I'm not a cadet I can't start again yeah. like that that is a very good point, but they don't like treat because I think there's this. There's the there's these stereotypes of older people, probably because you very rarely get situations where your heroes are aged, um, or yeah. where they're like you know the the stereotypical old person on TV is this battle axe awful person or this nice but totally naive, totally not with it. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, granny type. You know, whereas uh, and and it's basically a, oh yeah, old people are useless kind of thing. And and the whole point of this episode is. As old as Scotty is and as outmoded as he is and how much it's not his time and not his place anymore, he still has use, he still has value to contribute to society. You just have yeah. to find a way to use that experience in the right yeah, way. It's, it's um, like... and, and I really like that that message. Like, regardless of it being about Scotty, I really like that message of someone older can still be useful, can still be a nice person, can still be contributing. Their views aren't necessarily... Yeah. Like, just because they're a little bit outdated and a bit out of their place doesn't mean they're an awful person who you should just discard and, you know, put in a care home. And okay, yeah. boomer! He, he, slap! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He could still kick kick ass as, as well. And like, I love yeah. that, like, they show it's the It's like flaws. Space Harry Brown. They do, and they show the yeah. flaws of both him and Geordie because Geordie's yeah. rude and short with him when he could be empathetic and you know kind if he wasn't so busy trying to do all these things for Picard and 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 Scotty is himself rude and egotistical being like well laddie clearly you don't know your way around a scarship <laughs> you know like you know being like oh well back in my day we did meh, 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 meh. so you like see his pompousness and and then but then when he deflates because he it's all an act it's all like bravado because he's desperately trying to find his feet in this new century it just, I don't know, it just, it tugged on my heartstrings so much. I think 
it's probably because like one of my biggest fears is like being old and being lonely and not knowing who you are so something about his situation just really oh and and the way that then him and Jordan become friends at the end it just oh it just made me cry so much oh I think um that yeah that something that we don't talk about as well just while we're on the subject of that bit where uh Geordie snaps at um at James Doohan um we don't we haven't talked about Geordie very much in the podcast because it just hasn't come up in the episodes mm. we've watched but LeVar Burton is I mean we love LeVar Burton um but LeVar Burton it, it does some solid acting in this episode yeah. like re- he gets a really good chance to shine in this mm. uh and I mean to be fair so does James Doohan actually like yeah. James Doohan, and I read this on Memory Alpha as well, that when the writers and directors were making the episode and they they wanted to cast him, they'd never met him before, they'd never worked with him, and they were concerned that he wouldn't be able to handle being like the centre of attention. Like They essentially were worried he wasn't a good enough actor. And that he'd... uh, Because they were like, oh, well, he was always a peripheral character in the films and on the TV series, and we don't know if he's ever had to learn this much dialogue yeah. uh, and like be this involved and have this much drama yeah. um and then the, as soon as they started working with him they were like oh it was absolutely ridiculous to have yeah. had those worries at all because he, he smashes it out yeah. of the park yeah. uh yeah and also i would like to point out that it seems that uh 75 years stuck in a uh in a, a transporter beam will actually make your scottish accent sound correct <laughs> <laughs> Because it seems that since the last time I saw him in anything uh, to this, his Scottish accent actually sounds Scottish now. So. Do, you, do you think it sounds Scottish? Because I still don't think it sounds Scottish. I mean, it, it sounds, like it sounds Scottish. One thing, one thing I will it sounds ob- like something. One thing I will observe is it doesn't matter if you're doing a crap Scottish accent or, or what. If you play the... Um... The chief engineer of the Starship Enterprise, you you go on to do some wholesome ass shit because yeah. like you know Lavar Burton is doing like reading Rainbow. Um, oh, his daughter's actually. I used to love reading. Yeah, Rainbow. he's the reading Rainbow person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's that's, that's what he's big, like the other thing he's famous for. Most famous for actually. Yeah, yeah like he sings he, the theme tune to it. As and well. then have I have I told the story about James Doohan and preventing a suicide? Yes, you have. Before? Yeah, you talked about that yeah. on the podcast. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, James. And that makes me cry when I see him yeah. talk about that. Yeah, James Duhan is a good yeah. person. Yeah, he did. He... And you know, and and Cole Meany went on to be in the Alan Partridge movie, so, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> which is actually very good, and I won't have a word said about it. Yeah. Um, oh. Um, oh my God! Uh, so so I was also watching Le- Geordie LaForge on Reading Rainbow when I was a wee babber but I didn't actually know it was him because I had no idea who Geordie LaForge was oh that's nice yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really like Geordie in this episode I don't think I've actually seen an episode of TNG where he actually gets to do all of that much yet and I yeah. really liked I liked that he was prickly he was like really very prickly with him at first and then I love that he just he then he's so generous with Scotty and they have this very ham-fisted but quite adorable scene in the second half of the episode where Scotty's talking about how defunct and decrepit and obsolete his ship is and it's all, you know, unsubtly a metaphor for how he feels yeah. about himself and Geordie's going, oh, well, you know, I found that even though this ship is old, a lot of its systems are still working and they can still be <laughs> useful and it's like, oh, you got guys, this is so sweet. Like, it's just wholesome, 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 wholesome. In that, 
in that bit, I couldn't decide whether or not that was that that metaphor, the overly laden metaphor yeah. that's like really heavy handed. I couldn't work out if that was bad writing or really good writing, and they'd written it specifically <laughs> to sound over like uh. <laughs> over the top and and uh, and overhanded. But no, it's Star Trek. Don't give it that much credit. It likes to be yeah, yeah. with its yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you um, who I also really liked in this episode. I mean, it. Yeah, go um, on. Data, who barely does anything. Yeah, if I was but about to say that. What I loved about Data's interaction with Scotty is that Scotty comes in, drinks a synth ale in the bar, is horrified. Data, you know, is like, oh, I'm going to talk to him and, you know, help him feel at home and explains to him, look, Scotty, it's, it's synth ale. That's why it's synth alcohol. That's why you don't feel. You know, that's why it doesn't taste right. And then Scotty's just like, oh, synthetic alcohol and synthetic commanders, which is really, really mean. Like, and at that (laughs) point, Data would have been totally justified to be like, well, that's a kind of really offensive microaggression. You know, get fucked. I'm going to leave you alone. You know, he's just gone out of his way to be nice to Scotty. And then Scotty's been kind of like, I don't know, like androidist against him. But then, like, Data just completely ignores it and is like, oh, well, hey, you know, Guinan's got some actual alcohol under the bar, so why don't we... He just breezes straight past it and breaks the ice with him. And I'm like, why is Data such a perfect man? He's so lovely. (laughs) Yeah, Data's so good. Like, I've been watching episodes of TNG just for fun recently, and it's always like, oh, Data, you're so, so, like... uh, like He's a good um, person. Another another super wholesome episode, which is... um, this episode where Sarek appears mm. and he's he's uh, suffering an illness um, which is impeding him, but everyone everyone in like Sarek's entourage is like, "This is the great Sarek. He can't possibly fail and stuff." And they're trying to shield Sarek from his own yeah. illness, and they are like, the um, like his Vulcan aid is using like Vulcan telepathy to strengthen his mental discipline yeah. and stuff, so that he doesn't notice he's ill. Um, and data like unravels the mystery. Aww. He's like you know uh, asking various uh, various things, and he he asks why. But he's like super innocent and super sensitive about the whole whole thing. Is and he's really like good and understated in that. I also really like um, Captain Picard in this episode because he immediately like takes charge of the situation and works out how to do it. And like that Captain Picard has this sort of reputation, which I think is undeserved, of being a bit more cold and, and because he's reserved as a man generally mm. that he doesn't have that and like you know um, early a big part of his season one character development is becoming less more personally involved with his crew like a big a big early tension is you know tension around him not wanting him and Crusher's history to get in the way and mm. then you know he like a really establishing moment for him in the pilot is forcing Riker to do some um, take the ship out manually um, because because he just wants to test Riker and needle him a bit um, and but I I don't think that's deserved in terms of his relate and like he doesn't participate in social activities with the crew very much like he doesn't play poker yeah. with them and things but I actually think he has this really like you know. So one, he he does the conversation with Scotty, which is really nice. And then two, the way he asks Geordie to help him help yeah. Scott, where he's like, you know, Geordie, this is this is a request. Feel free to refuse it, but it's important. You know, like he talks through it in a very like, this is off the yeah. record. You can say what you like to this. I'm not gonna, you know, order you as your boss. But 
He's asking you know, as a friend, off. isn't he? This, He's like asking as a yeah, friend. Yeah, this like... is how I think we solve this problem. And I think LeVar Burton acts, because I always read in that scene that LaForge like, feels kind of guilty about yes. the way he treats yeah, Scott, yeah, but yeah. doesn't want to be yes. like, doesn't really know how to yeah. fix it. Like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to seem insincere. Um, mm. and, and this like gives him a, a way of doing it. Um, this is such a Star Trek so, episode because everything in this yeah, episode so is good. about good people trying to do good yeah. to help their friends and support other people and they solve their problems by being kind to each other and they save each other by being kind to each other and that's what Star Trek's about. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's so nice. It's so lovely. Yeah. And I mean, also, uh, just you briefly talked about it there just while we're talking about Picard. Um Picard, see, getting to see Picard on the bridge of the original Enterprise gave me such a nerd boner. <laughs> it was like the coolest thing. Like, well, they were gonna have, they were gonna use footage from TOS originally so that Scott could interact with his ship. Yes, I remember like, reading. Going to recreate a specific mission. I mean, they then used that concept. Like stayed in production part, which is why we get the trouble with Tribble crossover episode. Yes, and also the next the next episode we're going to watch flashback. Um, that was again taking advantage of the fact the TOS sets were available. So it's yeah. Sulu on the Excelsior. They recreate the bridge. They just have you know they have the the, the uniforms and Sulu available. They just interco- They just filmed that basically with the film sets while it was still a Paramount. Um, but the Trouble with Tribbles episode, they intercut the DS9 staff into the shots of the episode. So Kirk, I think, like dresses down Miles O'Brien <gasps> in a in a lineup and things yeah, like that. That's right. amazing! Um, I'm uh, so excited. And, it, and for it's that. so well done. And 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 you know, say what you like about DS9, and Jake often does. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the the. The DS9 actors managed to sell the acting to presumably, you know, people that just aren't there. Like, yeah. they've recreated sets for the scenes where it's just them and just extras, but, um, you know, they, they are often having to react to stuff that's just being played in. There's no physical mm. thing there, and they do really well to to do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, yeah. In some ways, it's a shame that they recreated that set for the holodeck and then and then didn't use it yeah. again because like, it looks so. I mean, fantastic. I thought yeah. it was a green so, screen. I didn't even think it was a. I assumed, yeah, right. like I was. Well, so yeah. there there are two parts. There part of it is blue screen, oh. and then part of it is recreated for different shots. So the right. initial shot, oh, the okay. initial shot where you just see the the room yes. and there's no people in it that. That's actually an original shot from TOS. Yeah, that see, that's that why I used. thought it was a green screen because it looked like yeah. there's something about the, the the footage or the colors or something. I was like, oh my god, it was like yeah. he was walking into a TOS episode. It was yeah, yeah. You but know, then, you can just tell like there's something about the film quality that's different. Yeah, but then fun fact that when they built bits of the set for the filming of the scene with Picard, um, the I think the the captain's chair and the um, the sort of control panel bit uh, that uh, James Doohan sort of leans on as well, that was all provided to the production company by a Star Trek fan Aww. who had recreated those things oh. himself at home for That's a, a, so a convention. That's so amazing. 
so yeah, they they borrowed they they borrowed them from a uh, Star Trek fan to to recreate that bit. Um, other fun fact that before I forget it, the um, the sound of uh, the teleporter when they when they teleport when when they transport into yes. um, the uh, what's it called the the gel Genolan. Gen- the Genolan, yeah when when Geordie and uh, and Scotty transport back into the Genolan, um they. They use the original uh, sound from the TOS uh, beaming. Uh, they call it a sparkle. Um, so that they found, they dug up that old sound in a because the bloke who was running it was, is a big Star Trek nerd, the, the sound designer, and he just had like uh, he remembered he had it in like a box under his bed somewhere. He was like, "Oh, I've got this like old set load of Star Trek noises," wow. and he happened to have the original transport beaming noise that uh, so they for the all the all the rest of the that's amazing yeah all of the rest of the beaming noises in the episode uh, are the usual tng ones but whenever they're beaming back into the uh the the Genolan, it's the original tos one that's which so, I think is so cool, cool. Yeah. and do you know what else i mean the I trans- think this transporter ways. beam is the old transporter beam from tos it's yes, different the... when Scotty comes into the Janolan from when they're on the Enterprise D. And Alex, yeah. of all people, noticed that. Like, I did not even notice that. <laughs> oh, My boyfriend... You're cool. having an effect yeah, on I'm, him. I'm rubbing off on him, guys. Yeah, he noticed <laughs> that. So, yeah. I, I want to... I just want to say that, like, I think... Because we're going to do... There's going to be a lot of episodes that's like... Uh, where this this is episode, what, 44? Something like so. that. And we're going to go up to episode 50 in these... I mean, one of them we're watching Trouble with Tribbles first, so that we can we can yes. see trials <sighs> and tribulations properly. But we're gonna we're gonna Trimble. be watching a lot of these, of like flashback kind of episodes, and I think this is the yardstick for several reasons. One, they they do a really good job of making all like pretty much everyone, even uh, Troy had a deleted scene with uh, with Scotty, but they just had uh, to cut it because the episode was eight minutes over, and they were like. This scene mm-hmm. doesn't really. This scene is just them two interacting. It doesn't really serve. Yeah, any other that purpose. makes when she kisses um, him goodbye at the end sense. make a lot more sense. <laughs> no sense. Yeah. sense. I was like, that's a bit intimate, isn't it? Yeah, I <laughs> thought that as well. Yeah. So the way the way it the way it was put in the episode, and I think it does make sense as a cut, is after storming out of engineering, Geordie contacts Troy to speak to yeah. Scotty, thinking she's better equipped, and then Scotty realizes. She's a therapist and kind of gets annoyed and that sends him hopping off to Aww. 10 forward. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that really works. Like, I think the story is better. Yeah, if you, yeah. If you don't have the time. Um, but, like, they do well They do well at giving the new cast chance to interact with the old. It is a Star Trek story. Like like Maddie said, it's about kind people resolving issues together. Like, And, and I think that's part of why they use James Doohan so well, mm. is that he's not the solution he's the problem in the episode which is a really interesting way of using the the character and then finally there's loads of like little nice touches from making sure every reference that either engineer has ever told each other is something they have brought like i was looking it up while we were talking even the like you know those regulations scotty says he wrote yeah that is a problem he solves in a oh, TOS brilliant. episode where he has an argument with Scott about the ability of those tanks to take wow. pressure. And apparently, like, so it doesn't take a big leap to think that after that episode where he learned they could take much more pressure, he then rewrote <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. That's so good. But like, you know, it's, it, it, 
all of those little touches, which they're, they're the best way of doing this kind of stuff because they don't matter to non-Star Trek nerds. Yeah. Like, you know, my mum, who, who, who is a Trekkie but isn't, you know, as deep into it as me, watches this episode as fondly as I do and just doesn't care about any of that nonsense. But, um, you know, for, for people like us that spend a laborious amount of time analysing everything, it's so <laughs> fun to pick up on everything. Um, you know, they, they've clearly cared about it. They've not just thrown it in. And I've seen some criticism of this episode being like, it's a bit of a waste of a Dyson Sphere, which is a really interesting phenomenon. And mm. it would be basically the same if he crashed anywhere. And I, and I get it, but I also think it, it adds to the specialness and it reinforces the, like, themes of Scotty's character because he's crashed on this big work of engineering and yeah, stuff yeah. and it's a big, you know, infrastructure thing. So yeah, I think this is the yardstick I'm gonna use to to judge the next couple of episodes. Yeah, yeah I, I so. also disagree that like, you know, you have to save good ideas. There's an infinite number of ideas out there. For God's sake it's science fiction. You could literally create <laughs> yeah. the most wonderful thing you want for every episode. It's not the fault of running out of ideas that some Star Trek episodes are shit and they're like, oh, there's a beam in space and it's going to kill the Enterprise. Oh no, shields to 5%. I'm like, that's down to Yeah, board. Sub Rosa is full of an original yeah, idea. <laughs> like, that's not why yeah, it's exactly, terrible. But I'm like, those those shitty B-plots that we hate, like, you know, in Nepenthe... Nepen- sorry. In the one we just watched with Alexander and Worf, we hated the B-plot, the boring B-plot about the wave. Yeah, yeah I'm like, that's not down to a running out of amazing sci-fi concepts that's down to lazy writers who couldn't be bothered to like fish around yeah. for better and ideas like, like use could, the dyson sphere more bring the dyson sphere back well, i want to see more yeah, of so, those landscapes with the like parks and the urban planning like on the yes. interior of this massive sphere that's so cool so the 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 dyson sphere just as a fun production fact um had been knocking around as an idea that they wanted to use in a script for ages and it had become a sort of running joke in the writers rooms and the production meetings because that everyone kept going oh should we stick the dyson sphere in this one and then like and it kept getting mooted and not done and it became like an a running joke um and then they they eventually realized that they could use it in this episode and i think this as you know like maddie said often we get bored of the b-plots in tng episodes they're not that useful a lot of the time they're quite dull I think that I was genuinely interested in the B plot in this one. I wanted to know there was a bit of mystery to it, but not so much that it overpowered the the drama that came from the yeah. characters. Like you know, there was a sort of mystery of oh, what is this thing? Why is it sucked them in? Is it is is it evil? Is uh, is there some aliens kidnapping them, or is it like you know? There's that bit of mystery to it. There's a bit of jeopardy at the end with the the thing going to close and the the them having to destroy the the, the ship and beam them out of it in in time for them to be able to destroy it to get out and like and i and also a really lovely shot of the uh the enterprise turning on its side and shooting out of that uh door as it's about to close sort of indiana jones style um but like very cool i really enjoyed the b plot in this episode it was an exciting well-made b plot with like cool visuals to look at yeah and it to wasn't just a boring wave in space. So I'm yeah, like, exactly. yeah. To, to the point where like that B-plot could be the A-plot of a, yes. an entire Star Trek film if you wanted yeah, it to. Yeah, it could, totally. You, you could make this episode quite convincingly into a decent feature-length film. Mm-hmm. And like you you can... Mm. That, that bit at the end where, um, where they... Where, 
uh, Scotty and and Geordie realise that they are going to have to uh, put themselves in danger to be able to save the ship. And when they they put the the shield on and they're, and they're like, oh, it's going to destroy us and all that kind of thing. And like you could have, if you were making a film, written that to be like uh, Scotty's death scene or something if you wanted oh, it to be. Oh, thank God where, they like, didn't kill him. I was dead worried yeah. he was going to well, get Well, I was crushed. worried because... Because it felt like it was going to go that way. Mm. It felt like it was going to be like, oh, I have to stay on board yeah. the ship to be able to keep yeah. it. So yeah. You go, Geordie, and then like and like that would have been it. I was ready to. I was on the edge of my seat at that point, if I'm honest. And I'm very rarely on the edge of my seat watching Star Trek, to be honest. And like, I yeah, I just loved that whole idea. Also, I liked the fact that, and this is my head canon, right? My head canon for this episode is that um, Scotty got the idea to put the uh the, the ship in between the uh the closing doors and use the force field and the shields to keep it open i think he got that idea from that time in uh the first episode of the animated series where he went into that big uh th- that big sort of pot thing with a lid on it well no that like oh yeah the not urn. the urn no when he in the the first episode oh. of tas where he's he's in the um he's in the oh, sorry when he gets he stuck in the warp like, core the clamshell he goes into in the, the warp, warp core and the clamshell thing closes on him and he's wearing it <laughs> oh, and he's yes. wearing his little personal force field and that's how he's able to survive the clamshell closing on him i think that's where he got the idea to put the ship in between the thing and use the shields <gasps> to stop it from Perfect. destroying the shields that's so, so that's my head cannon for this um <laughs> but yeah anyway yeah the point is good b plot excellent b plot excellent a star so, yeah. yeah i've got a favorite yeah. moment and a favorite interaction like all the interactions in this episode are good but my favorite weird moment is when scotty is getting really angry with, with geordie because geordie says like I've tried to be polite, but I've just got to get these diagnostics done. I don't know what accent I'm doing for Geordie, sorry. <laughs> um, and then Scotty's like, I've been on Starship since you were in diapers, young man. But he, he says, he says like, since you were in diapers. And I'm like, yeah. what? I'm like, he sorry, pronounced it. What? That's because no Scot, no true Scotland, Scotsman would say No Scotsman. A would say diapers. B, what the hell is a diap- diaper? A diaper? I noticed like, that as well. Yeah. About, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. My favourite interaction in it is when... You fucking first... idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've discussed about how Scotty doesn't <laughs> swear nearly enough for a Scottish yeah, person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like the... Your um, mother well, can't. I don't even know what that was. <laughs> well, well, he goes, well, he goes, when he, I, I, I mean, I really liked, he was like, well, if we could get these ship uh, running again, if we could get these engines running again, we could follow the things. And he goes, oh, you're not, oh, It's like, that's the most Scottish he's in the south. Yeah, he yeah, yeah, just heat. turned around and went, ah, oh, you daft wee cow. You daft cunt. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favourite bit in it, in terms of dialogue, is when he is talking to Doctor Crusher when she's giving him a mag- medical exam when he first gets back to the Enterprise. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, yes. so- someone says to him, uh, "Are you all right?" And then he turns to Bev and goes, uh, "I don't know. Am I all right?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, "Yes, mate. Yes." Yeah, but solid then he work. says, "He says, well, the." 
doctors on the Enterprise D are sure a lot prettier than the ones on the Enterprise A. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm and like, you're, and you're like, amazing bird. But also, I just love how the whole episode he's constantly talking about, oh, you know, I miss my old starship. Oh, uh, well, you only love a woman the same way once. I'm like, Scotty really never got laid in his entire 52 <laughs> year career, did he? He literally well, just was like, he was too that's already a headcanon that we have, haven't we? Warp core. We've got a headcanon already from an early episode where we decided that uh, Scotty's been put on a sex ban. I can't remember what for. <laughs> yes, yes, But he, his punishment is that he's not he's allowed not to have sex, sex at all. That's, <laughs> and this episode confirms that. This episode is like codifying evidence like in favour of our headcanon. Excellent. That's why he's constantly going on about women and stuff and yeah, calling the right. shuttle a lady and... Well, they were gonna have like him and Uhura have. They were, they were indeed. Point, but they never, they never, they never. I'd like, watch that. Um, you know what? Yeah. I also I found am, out. I'd watch I mean, that. Hot, hot take, Maddie would like. I think that's a better relationship than Spock. And well, Hurra, shut the fuck up, Nathan. Because um, what I was about to say is they they had <laughs> scripted. Um, they were going to explore a Spock Uhura relationship in the fourth season of TOS. If that had ever been created, yeah. so anyone who's like, eh, well, Spahara, they just made it up. Me, 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 JJ Abrams, me. No, go, yeah, also, go, like, fuck yourselves. Small, small rant about anyone, like, because, like, I really hate the new Star Wars, but it crops up there as well when people are like, oh, they just made it up. And it's like, yeah, they just made it up. <laughs> like, like, there's no, there's no great book of Star Trek. It's not like I have, I have found the sacred Gene Roddenberry God text, and I've me only read tablets. from them, and they have said that Star Trek must be this way. No, he was making bullshit up as well. Yeah. Every star, like they are, yes, yes, they made it up. What, <laughs> what magical process did you want them to? They wanted it's, God yeah. to present like, the tablets to Moses on the mountain <laughs> on Mount Sinai and be like, like "These can, are my you, commandments. Look, Thou shalt not have like, her a relationship." <laughs> look, I, I uh, think yeah. we need to wrap up now, but. Uh, I, I've I've really enjoyed this episode, and I I really love this episode of Star Trek, and I've enjoyed doing the podcast. Um, next week we're going to do another crossover one, um, but first we need to decide which character in this episode is trying to suck his own cock. The new new sphere. Su- the new new sphere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going to say it's Scotty, but like, given given his advanced years and the uh, the sort of um, I don't want to body shame him, but the he's got a bit the, of a podge the, in the way. It might be harder. For yeah, him I think it might be quite difficult for him. Before. I think yeah. I think the Nunu Sphere. Okay, okay, he- head cannon. The Nunu Sphere only exists because. Scotty wanted to suck his own cock but wasn't able to because of his body shape. So he he engineered the Nunu sphere <laughs> to have an extendable suckable thing like Nunu does. And he uses that to to pleasure himself. And that's what the, I've ki- I think I've like killed Maddie. Like a star sized sphere just to self masturbate. As opposed to non-self-masturbating, yeah. An Um, an orbit-sized masturbatory aid. Yeah, yeah. With googly eyes on it. Yeah, and that's why... (laughs) (laughs) And it's called The Relic, and that's why this episode has its title. Oh, the Nunu Sphere. No, I can't believe the the Nunu Sphere sphere. is being abused in this way. Right, well, headcanon now is that the Nunu Sphere is a... A galactic size <laughs> masturbatory aid. Um, 
I feel like I feel like I I I, I had an out of body experience from the new news. Just right. From my perspective, what happened is so uh, which person should have their own cock? And I was just like briefly looking at my notes to make sure I'd covered everything and I, I knew what episode we were looking at next. And Maddie goes, the new news spear. I look back on the call and it's full in my face. And then from then on, I am I am out of consciousness. It's just words like it's a giant masturbating. It's a galactic size thing, and I'm just like. I don't know what universe I'm in anymore. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I have gained some enlightenment. I, I will never be the same you're again. In a universe where where James Doohan as Spock uh, as Scotty <laughs> has created a giant sun powered, solar powered, <laughs> new new flashlight. <laughs> Next week, we'll be looking at the episode of Voyager where uh, Sulu uh, turns up. Uh, Nathan, what's it called? It's called Flashback, Flashback uh, which is uh, something that uh, Scotty has to every time uh, <laughs> Every time he watches... Uh, Teletubbies! Just ask me what it was called for that. Every time he watches Teletubbies, he has a flashback to his masturbatory days in, in the new news sphere. <laughs> But as far as we're concerned, flashback is the name of the episode of Star Trek Voyager that we will be watching next week. I'm um, going to wee myself. <laughs> uh, so thank you for listening. As always, you can contact us on social media at RegHertzCast on Instagram and Twitter. Or you can send us an email, RegHertzCast at, uh, at gmail.com. Um, we haven't said it in a while, so again, thanks to Ben Kavanagh for the music for the podcast. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, otherwise, uh, live long and prosper, and goodbye. See you next week. Bye. Bye.